0: shifting in the atmosphere. Well, um, we're going to start a a new series uh, that Dustin and I will will preach over the next four weeks. Um, Last week, uh, Jeff, in his last message to us um, as one of our co-pastors, it's not his last message to us ever, but it's his last message to us as one of our co-pastors, he preached a message called Stepping Into the Next, and, and so what Dust and I are going to do for the next four weeks um, to lead us right into Easter, we're going to uh, preach a, a series called What's Next? Stepping into next, and so we're going to tell you what's next. So I'm excited uh, today about sort of setting direction and, and where we feel like the Lord's calling us as a spiritual family. Our, our leadership team got together twice in the last um, several weeks to pray, to see what's the Lord really saying to us right now? And we really feel like we've gotten clarity as much as we know how to. We've gotten clarity from from the Lord as to where he wants to take us. And so I would just say, I feel like these next three months are going to be incredibly important. I'll tell you why in just a minute. But uh, this series, I think, is going to help set us on a clear direction over the next months up to Easter. So I'm excited about it. I hope you are. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll get into the word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I sense your presence here. You're in the room. I'm so grateful that we don't have a God who's distant and far away, but you're here in our very midst. Jesus, you're the one that walks in the midst of the lampstands. You lift the lowly and you seat us with you on your throne of glory. And so Lord, even today as we talk about what's next and we talk about our our spiritual family and our DNA, the things you've put in our hearts, I'm asking that you would grip hearts today, that you would minister with power today. I'm asking that you would release revelation on the word today and that hearts would sense spiritual identity. They'd hear from heaven, this is who you are. So Holy Spirit, have your way. Take this room completely under your authority, Holy Spirit, and speak to us, teach us of what's on the Father's heart, what's on Jesus' heart. And Lord, I ask you to stand with me, hold my hand. Let me speak as your oracle this morning in the name of Jesus. And everybody that agreed said amen. amen. Well, um, I was so encouraged last week uh, as Jeff shared, and um, he and I were sharing texts this morning, and <laughs> mutually we're praying for each other as we're both standing to preach in our respective places, and it's just a, just a special thing God's done. And, um, and so I was... So excited last week, and then it was so bittersweet because we love Jeff and Amy so much, but if, if you missed the memo somehow, we uh, sent Jeff and Amy Lyle to pastor church at Winder, and it's been a, a year process where we've been praying and seeking the Lord together for discernment, and, and so we um, sent them off, and then this Sunday is their first Sunday, and so we're excited about the work of God that God's doing, there and in their life. It's not what we expected, but it's something we're in agreement with. We say yes to the will of the Lord. And so we've explained it over the last several uh, weeks, what God's been doing. And, and we know that it's not the end of our kingdom work together. We just are just beholden to do his will. Amen. We're saying yes to whatever God wants. And so last week, Jeff, he said this. He said, there's no other place in the Southeast like Newbridge." And IHOP Atlanta, I thought that was a huge statement. There's no other place in the southeast like Newbridge and and IHOP Atlanta. And then he said, "This, you're sitting in the glorious mess that is the result of a merger between an independent Baptist, an Assemblies of God, and a 24/7 house of prayer." And beloved, we, I, you know, that's a huge statement, but I think it's it's kind of real. <laughs> I don't know anyone else that has our story, and the point isn't to compare, the point is just to crystallize for us that God's done something very unusual with us, and we are saying yes to His direction. We're saying yes to His leadership. And though it doesn't necessarily look like what we were imagining, it continues to unfold and become something completely different, but I think it's something that's been in the heart and the mind of the Lord for centuries, It's interesting how that works with God. You step into something and you're completely shocked. God's already there going, this is kind of how I thought it was going to be. We're stepping into it going, what is this? He's going, settle down. I've got this. And I was thinking about Proverbs 16, verse 9. It says, a a man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his path. And, and I was thinking about even my own journey. I, I remember when I got saved like 32 years ago, and within weeks of getting born again, I knew I was called into the ministry. Now, at that time, I had no picture what it was I would be doing in ministry. I just knew that I was called. And so here I am 32 years later going, this is nothing like what I ever anticipated. In fact, Five years ago, compared to where we were then and where we are now, this is nothing like what I ever anticipated. And I found, this is like what I preached a couple weeks ago, God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. This is what he does. He leads us in the best way that's not how we would plan. And so, you know, in this whole merger, our key prayer has been this, God, make of us whatever you want. Make of us whatever's in your heart, whatever you want to do. That's what we want to do. And, and, you know, when Jeff and Dustin and Gabe and I first came together, we really just said, we're, we're over trying to be something in ministry. We're over trying to prove something. We're over trying to get another platform. We don't care about any of that. We just want this last 25 years of of ministry probably in front of us we want it to count for something of heavenly consequence we want it to matter to god we don't care who likes it who doesn't like it we don't care who's impressed who's mad glad or sad we just want to say yes to god in such a way that when we stand before him we're actually going to be excited to look him in the eye and just say lord the best we knew how to do, we said yes. And so here we are, and we've been praying that prayer, God, make, us, make of us whatever you want, and the more we've prayed it, the more we've found there's something in his heart that we never conceived. And you know, the thing about that prayer is you can't be a control freak and pray that prayer. Do you know what I'm saying? You can't be like, God, make of us whatever you want as long as it works with my schedule and I've got a certain level of life I want to live and I've got to be able to, you know, my 401k can't get messed with and the AC has got to be right and the seat cushions. And just everything's got to be perfect for me and then just make whatever you want of me. It doesn't really work that way, does it? If you start praying, make whatever you want of me, you got to let go of control you got to let go of control. That Proverbs passage, man, is on my heart this morning in prayer before service. A man's heart plans its way. It's not that we don't plan. We totally plan. We ask the Lord the best we can. What is it that's in your heart for us? And we try to make plans according to what we hear. But the Lord is the one that directs the path. And so we've continued to pray that prayer. And here's the thing you come to this place, this is something I had to come to realize, you come to this place where you realize there's a part that's God's part and then there's a part that's our part. And, and here's the thing, God won't do our part and we can't do his part. And our part is the obedience part. And his part is the results part. I can't make the results happen. I can't make revival happen. I can't make a million people get saved in the city of Atlanta. God can make those results happen. Amen. I, I, I liked where we were going in the worship this morning. It's like anything, you can do anything. Can you set your faith to believe that God could see a million people born again in the city of Atlanta? I, I mean, you know, that's way beyond our programs. There's no program to get a million people saved in Atlanta. But there is an onslaught of heaven that God can release and in one second, every man can be cut to the heart and come into the conviction of the Holy Spirit and they have to pull off the side of the road because they are under the anointing of the Lord and all they know is inside, I need Jesus. That's what we're looking for. And so I can't do his part, he won't do my part. Well, what's my part? My part is the obedience part. That as he leads, we say yes. As he directs, We try to step in the grace of God as he invites us to stuff that's way different, way beyond anything we've dreamt. We just, in the grace of God, we ask for courage and we go, "Uh, okay, yes, Lord. And as we obediently step, the results are up to him. It really liberates your heart though because I don't have to make it look a certain way. All I gotta do is obey lovingly obey and love others on the way and God will bring the results. Can I get an amen? So here's the thing. We're in this wild moment. We're in a dynamic moment. We've talked so much about 2020. I don't wanna talk about 2020 anymore except for the fact that something changed in 2020 and there is no more church as usual. We've crossed a line. God's changing things. He's changing the understanding and the expression of Christianity right now in all the earth he's shifting things we cross the line but god brought us through as a spiritual family he brought us through 2020 i I feel like stronger more focused more engaged than when we went into 2020 now that's a that's a serious statement because 2020 it was hard but I, i there's a spiritual hunger among us there's a passion there's a desire I see an intimacy with God. I see a relational connectedness among our spiritual family, one with another, and and a desire to go deep with each other and with the Lord. I, I see something that God did in us in 2020 that we could not have accomplished, but through the trial, he's brought us out looking more like Jesus. And I am blessed. I know there's a lot more, but I'm so grateful for how he's brought us through 2020. And then in November like he told us to sell our Collins Hill property. And in one week, we had a full price contract on that building, an impossibility. And then within a couple months, we were moved over here. We moved over in November. We got the contract in September. It was a shock. It was something we thought would happen in the next couple years. It's happened now. And we've been operating completely in, in this one location together Uh, you know, since November, and it's been beautiful. It's been a beautiful time with the prayer room in the middle of the the sanctuary. Somebody um, said to me, you need to warn people what the prayer room actually is. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you might be here, Bryce, but he he was saying this, he goes, you know, he goes, I'm a Catholic kid, I had a Catholic background. He goes, when you guys are saying the prayer room's 24-7, I figured you meant you're gonna go in, sit in some room, light a candle, sort of meditate for a minute, I said, okay. He goes, yeah, I came in on a Tuesday afternoon. There's a full worship team going. He goes, the presence of the Lord was so strong, I was struck to the ground. I was laying on my side like drooling before the Lord. He goes, you need a warning about what God is doing in the prayer room. I was like, well, we try to. He goes, you got to do better. (laughs) I had no idea. Now you're not going to get struck, to the, don't, that's scary for some people Some are like, oh dear God, I'll never be coming to the prayer room now. But his point was that the presence of God was so rich here during a Tuesday afternoon random time. And that's who we are, we, we operate as a people from the place of intimacy with Jesus expressed through 24 hour worship and prayer. We're, we're centered around his presence as a spiritual family, that's who we are, that's how we live and so right here in this room many times there's a full worship team like what we had this morning many times it's just one person we're constantly offering incense to the lord and and so that's that's where we are now like i said over the next 3 months we're going to unpack a lot more of what's next for us we're going to unpack a lot more of our spiritual dna we want to give clarity and focus to who we are where we're going what God's spoken and, and where we believe God's inviting us. And so it's gonna be an important three months. I will, I'm gonna make a big statement. The next three months have the potential to set the direction of who we are and where we're going for the next 10 years, okay? That's a big statement, but I don't, it's not an understatement. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty convinced this is the moment we're in. We talked about how we're in a moment of alignment, a moment of acceleration, and how God's been doing things that, again, we never saw coming. Well, here we are, and we are in this dynamic moment. So I want to I encourage you, don't miss over the next three months. And if you have to be out on a Sunday, make sure you go and pick up the live stream, because we're going to be building in messaging, we're going to be building details about our DNA and who we are as a family and where we feel like God's taken us. And with that, I've got an amazing announcement. And some of you guys know that this is coming because we have asked so many people and, and gotten so much input. But I, I want to just be really clear on, on where this is. This is super exciting. So IHOP Atlanta is, a, is the name that we planted the 24-7 house of prayer with. We planted that um, in, in 2004. Of course, New Bridge is four years old. Uh, And it's the the name of the merged church. And so when we came together three years ago, we didn't have a a new name for the merged reality. We just started calling it IHOP New Bridge or New Bridge IHOP. And then some people affectionately started calling it New Hop, (laughs) I-Bridge and all this stuff. And then it got weird. And then it got old. And, you know, you go different places, and they go, okay, we want to announce who you are, so, so who are you? And, that's, and they ask me, so who are you? I go, well, I'm the director of IHOP Atlanta, and I'm uh, one of the co-pastors of New Bridge Church, and they go, well, what about the One Race? I go, oh, I'm one of the founders of One Race, and they go, so what do we say you are? I go, uh, just call me Billy. <laughs> and so literally, you know, it just it it's 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 been great. Because we didn't want anybody to feel like they were losing. We wanted everybody to feel like their identity is still who we are. And now three years into the process, uh, I just want to announce to you, we're getting ready to change the name. We're going to come together under one name, a brand new name that speaks of our merged identity. And so April 18th, mark your calendar, there's a big reveal coming. April, everybody say April 18th. April 18th. There's a big reveal coming, and we will be revealing our new name. Now, I already know, I'm looking out here, and there's about 50 or more of you guys that know where that is. Just be cool, because, you know, we've had we've had focus groups. We've had all sorts of input and asked people, you know, to contribute and share from their hearts and and so if you already know where this is going, just be cool. Don't, don't, don't put that out on your Facebook. I already know. Praise God. <laughs> like, that's not, that's not going to help us. We want, a bit, we want a big reveal on April 18th. So we'll reveal the name on April 18th. And then uh, May 16th, pray for us, May 16th. One month after that, we're targeting May 16th to have the signage, the website and everything lined up so it's all, it all comes live. And everybody that comes on May 16th, you're gonna get some new gear, praise God. The church isn't called new gear, but we'll get some new gear on that day. So mark your counters. Like I said, the next three months, are gonna be, they're gonna be fun. So today, here's what I wanna do. I wanna take the rest of our time and I wanna talk about one of the, probably the central most um, attributes, the, the singular thing that over the last three years, when we've talked to people who want to be a part of this spiritual family, they want to come and, and be a part of IHOP Newbridge. Uh, there's this one singular distinction about almost everybody that, that finds themselves here. And we've talked to people, uh, in in fact, in every single one of our guest receptions, like what we'll have today, we literally have this conversation where people describe something in their own heart, and it it is this unifying identity that virtually everyone carries. Now, what I realize is that I'm going to say it a few different ways and so for you, it might you might say, well, I, that don't really resonate with that component, but just listen to this whole package because there's this unique thing that I feel like God is doing in the hearts of so many right now. And in our spiritual family, that seems to be who he's drawing. It transcends age. It transcends male or female. It, it transcends culture. Uh, it, it transcends religious background. What we found is that there's something unique to Virtually everybody in this room right now everybody's connecting to us online there's something unique to you that is uh on the inside of you and it doesn't matter if you 've been saved a long time or if you 've been just brand new or maybe you 're not even maybe you wouldn't even call yourself a Christian today, but you 're here you you actually are carrying this this unique piece and so for some, I would say it's this Thing that they can't quite put their finger on. It's it's a curiosity. It's on the inside. You're going. There's something inside of me. I, I I'm I don't know exactly how to put my mind around it, but I, I, I I'm discontent in some way, and 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 I'm looking for something. Some some people. It's a complete curiosity. Like I mean, we've seen where unsaved people or newly saved people will show up in and here and they, they go, I don't know, I, I just wanted to come because I heard something was happening and I just I just wanted to see what that was. There's this curiosity. For some, it's a longing. There's a, it's it, it's not it's beyond curiosity. There's a desire. There's a, a more than a feeling. There is a desire, a, a deep desire. For some, I would say it's way beyond desire. It's like an ache or a gnawing. It's on the inside. It's down in the cavern in there. It's in that room in your, in your soul that you know when you reference that place, that place of deep longing, man, you know, when you touch that spot, things start getting a little bit messy, and wherever you are on that spectrum, we, we realize that that's what draws people here. And, and I'll just give it one singular term. You're, you're spiritually discontent. You want more. You're hungry for God. And, and, and some people feel even like, they feel like they're, they're even guilty, they feel guilty about being discontent because they're so grateful for everything God's done. They look at their lines, they go, I've been blessed, I've been taken care of, God has seen me through so many good things, and yet on the inside, you want more. Some people, you've, desi- you've had this desire for more of God, and you've gone after that desire, and you've learned church, and you've gone through the paces, and you've done the deal, you've gotten the t-shirt a few times, and the coffee cup, and all that, and we're going to get t-shirts and coffee cups, glory to God. Again... But you got something in there. You, you know that gnawing and that ache, that longing, it's in there. But you've, you've done the deal so much that you almost have just, like Dustin was saying earlier, you've just kicked it into neutral. Because that place of desire, you just thought, I don't know if that's ever going to get met. If it's just, it's, it's really not reasonable to always want more of God. I mean, I just need to chill down. And some of you right now, you are in a place of rawness. You came through 2020 and it beat you up. And you came to the conclusion at the end of the year, I can't just go through the motions anymore. And I'm hungry. I need God. My soul is aching for God. This thing about discontentment, it doesn't, it's not necessarily a negative thing. It's not necessarily you're a negative person and that's why you're discontent. It, what it is, it's, it's this, this, you've got this witness on the inside of you that there's more than what you've seen. There's more than what you've experienced. You've read the stories. You, you've read the Bible. You've you read the biographies and the, and the histories and you go, man, there's more than what I know. And I want it. See, it doesn't mean you're negative or, or that the, the place that you were at before is bad. No, no. Listen, here's, here's how a lot of people sum it up. They go, The church I was going to was awesome. I loved it. They had solid preaching, solid worship, great kids' ministry. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I just felt like a square peg in a round hole. I just, my heart was just burning for something deeper. I didn't know, I didn't know what to do with that. And and here's what I can tell you, that that doesn't mean any other place is lesser or, or bad or anything like that. We, we've got so many good friends, so many pastors and leaders that we run with, that we love. Um, it's just that we seem to draw, well, we seem to draw the ones whose hearts are burning for something sometimes they can't even, desire, they can't even describe. And it literally, it could be something that's brand new. You, you, could be, you could be one day saved, and you're like, I don't know, that plays is something interesting. Or you could have been 30, 40 years with the Lord, and you go, I just know there's more. And, and so we tend to draw that person. We tend to draw that person that's spiritually discontent. And... Um, and you're just unwilling to settle for less. Uh, you know, what you've done in the past, it hasn't scratched the itch in your soul. And, and you find yourself, you're on this journey and, and your, your heart is telling you something more is possible. And, and, and this, this deep desire you feel is, is just simply like this. You just want more of God. You just want more of him. You want to see him move in power in your life. You want to believe, you want to risk to believe that the God of the Bible still does Bible-sized stuff in your life today. You've got this thing on the inside. You've tried to make peace with the cognitive dissonance. I know the Bible says all this. This is my reality. Uh, 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 uh. I don't know what to do between the two. But you're in that place of messy. And you're willing to just see will he he do what he's promised? Will he make good on what he said he would do? Is this in my soul, this thing that I've seen on the inside, is it me making it up or is it God that's created a longing that won't be satisfied with anything but him? I wanna tell you something, it's God, it's God. Because human beings don't come by that ache Through any human means. Human beings don't come by the desire for God, by some human measurement, by some human program. The only way you get there where your soul says, I've got to have God. There's no other way for me. I've got to have God. I need, I need Jesus. I need the real Jesus. I need the real encounter. I need real revelation. I need his real presence. I need the healing power. I need the delivering power. I need the breakthrough. The only way you get to that place where you're just done with all the other ways is God birth set in your soul because there's none that seeks God. No, not one. So if you're hungry... If you're seeking, the only way you got there is God did that to you. So we realize, for lack of a better way to say it, the one, the person that's shopping <laughs> at Newbridge IHOP for something, they just want God. They want deeper, they want, they want a greater revelation, they want a greater encounter with His presence. And, and here's what I can promise you. We may not be the best production in town. We may not be the most polished and the flashiest. Uh, we may not have all the bells and whistles. I mean, our spiritual family, we, we as one guy said, you, you attract a lot of uncool people. <laughs> we might be that group. But I, I gotta tell you, I love that group. I love that group. Because a long time ago, I realized this, that in ministry, I didn't have the best preaching gift. I didn't have the, the singing voice. Now, I know I sing really well, but it's not the best one. <laughs> Lord, I lift your name on high. I mean, it's, it's really good, but it's not, you know, it's not... And I know that I, I couldn't produce programs and polish and, and do things in a way that just wowed everybody. There's always somebody smarter, funnier, sharper, better. But I realized that there is something that I could be without, and it didn't take any giftedness. I could be hungry. It doesn't take any special gift. I could, I, could, I could desire. I could want. I could long. And I was encouraged when I read Catherine Kuhlman's testimony. And Catherine Kuhlman was a healing evangelist in the 70s. And, and, and she would say by her own admission, she would say, I'm not the prettiest. I'm not the best speaker. I'm not all these things that people are interested in. And she would just say, I'm nothing. She suffered a a rough divorce, and, and she'd say, I'm just nothing. I've got nothing. But she would say this to God. She'd say, and if you can take nothing, and you can use nothing, you can have all of it. You can have all of my nothing. And I remember reading that as a young man and just thinking, I don't have to be the most gifted, the most whatever I can just be hungry. And I hope that's enough for you. And you know what I found? That's enough for him. That's enough. And so as a spiritual family, we may not be that flashy. We, 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 we'll, we'll probably get things wrong. We'll make major mistakes at times. Strategically, we may not do it the best. We're gonna try in the grace of God. We're asking people to help us and, and do all these things. We've got a lot of experience in ministry, but we're learning, learning, learning. But as a people, the thing that I think that unites us the most is we carry a deep desire for more. More of God. God, come and do what only you can do because right now I can't get by on three fast songs, three slow songs, a nice sermonette, and God bless you on the way out the door. I can't. And the earth doesn't need that from the church right now. What the earth needs... What the earth needs from the church are a people who know their God and do great exploits, a people that look completely different than the culture, a people who have just gone ahead and sold out and said, all my eggs are in one basket, the Jesus basket. I'm putting all my eggs in the Jesus basket, and he's either kind of come through or kill me because I'm not going another way. I'm only going his way. And beloved, that's, that's what unites us came in here somehow, you found your way, somebody invited you. We were weird. <laughs> I had somebody, I remember one of my favorite church mamas that she's, she's moved back home to be with her family, but Miss Marlene, I remember, I mean, she, she was with me for 10 years, and, and she said, she said, I, you, I came in, the first time I came in, you were, you were preaching on the Sermon on the Mount. And she said, I... I knew for sure. She said, I told one of my friends when I left that day, that white man is crazy. (laughs) He told us we have to lay our lives down for Jesus. He's crazy. She goes, and it bothered me all week how crazy you were until I had to come back and hear your crazy talking again. (laughs) Miss Marlene, if you're watching, I love you. And she said... uh, yeah, and then you were, crazy. you were just as crazy the second week as you were the first week. So I had to come back again and just see if you were going through a phase or if you were really about to lose your mind. And then all of a sudden, all that crazy talk got me thinking crazy. She realized there was something more in God. There was something more. And that was 10 years of crazy. Well, if that's crazy, I don't want to be normal. If, if preaching the Bible and going hard after the Lord and my soul follows hard after you and sometimes I can't even wrap good words around it and sometimes I'm a mess, if that's crazy, I don't want to be saying. I want to go right after Jesus because this earth right now needs a people who are going to unapologetically run hard after the Lord and finally get their hands around his ankles and finally hold on and like Jacob of old, they're going to say, I won't let you go until you bless me. I won't let you go until you bless my generation. I won't let you go until you move in glory. And right now, we need it. The earth needs it. And I was thinking about all the different biblical examples, and there's a prophetic thing I want to tell you that happened to me just this week, so let me just get quickly through some of these biblical examples. But, I mean, some of you this, I'm, I'm wrapping language around what's been in your heart for a long time. And, and there's, a, there's a group in here that I feel really sensitive toward. It's the person that's new and you've never thought about these things. And I'm saying things that sounds like you're drinking out of a water, a fire hydrant right now. And then the other person I'm super sensitive to right now, it's you've been here. You've done that. You, you, you've been a saint. You've been in the, in the kingdom a long, long time. You've prayed, you've believed, you've fasted, you've prayed, you've risked, and you're still holding on. And I want to encourage that one. I want to say, keep knocking, keep seeking, keep asking, because if you knock, the door will be opened. If you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you will find. Stay in hot pursuit of God to the new person. You know, if this is just like water out of a fire hydrant, just open your mouth. It'll get in your mouth, and it'll get all over you. You You're going to come out drenched. It'll be good for you, I promise. Just hang in there. Psalm 42, it's been a life verse for me. i got to be honest with you, I don't even like preaching it. Because when I preach it, when I really preach it, I get into that place in my soul of deep longing and I don't... It's hard for me to even say what's in these verses. I, I start just getting so messy. But you know what I think? I think we need messy now. We've had tidy, we've had perfect. We've had produced, we've, we, we've had it, we've done it so well, it's looked so good. It rivals any TV show. But it hasn't changed America. It hasn't changed our neighborhoods. It hasn't changed the families. You know, we need, we need real breakthrough in our family so that our brother and sister, our cousin, our uncle, so, so the one that we know that shares our last name, that doesn't know God, that they just get in our sphere, they just get in our zone, and they are smacked with the reality that heaven is real, that Jesus is real, and you have to, you have to do something about that. We need a glory on us that it changes the atmosphere everywhere we go. That's what the earth needs right now. David, he says, Psalm 42, he says, as the deer pants for the water of brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? And this one, this verse, this is hitting me fresh. My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, where is your God? If there is a banner Over the church in America right now, it's where is your God? You guys say a whole bunch of stuff, but you have nothing to back it up. Where is your God, Christians? He goes, When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. And then he goes through this explanation about it, he goes, Oh, my soul it's downcast. He goes, I'm going to hope in God. Oh, and there's this tension inside of him. He goes, oh, he will be the help of my face. He will help me with the glory that's coming off of his countenance. He goes, oh, but I'm downcast. And he's got this thing on the inside where he's hungering and aching. And he knows the, the inability, he knows his own barrenness, but he says, God will help me. And then he gets to this place in verse seven, where he goes deep, cries unto deep. At the noise of your waterfalls, all your billows and your waves have gone over me. And what he's describing is this, this crushing process of being thrown over, turned over in the surf where the waves are throwing you. And it seems like you're completely out of control. And you get to this place down in your soul where you finally say, I can't do it. I need you. All your billows and your waves have gone over me. The picture is someone getting tossed in the surf. And if they don't get rescued, they will drown. And he says, deep, calls unto deep. At the sound of all your, your waves. Jeremiah, he said it this way. He goes, you're going to seek me, and you're going to find me. This is what the Lord said through Jeremiah. You're going to seek me, and you're going to find me when you search for me with all your heart. See, when I take David's experience and then I take Jeremiah, the promise through Jeremiah and I put those together, I go, oh, it doesn't matter. Though he crush me, still I'll praise him. I'll keep going after him. I would have fainted unless I believed I'd see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have fainted. Some of you, you've gotten to that point of fainting and you've thought, this is too messy, this is too difficult, this is too much of a wreck, I don't know what to do. And like Dustin was saying this morning, you threw it back into neutral. I wanna call you to get it out of neutral. 2021, we can't be in neutral. After last year, we can't live in neutral anymore, for real. We have got to live in a place, and it's weak, man, it's, I get it, it's weak. You know, I'm, I'm passionate and powerful right now. There are many days where I go, God, where are you? And I'll call my brothers, and I'll say, hey, pray for me right now. I need help to stand. I get it. We don't always feel like super Christian. Guess what? Because we're not. The point is, we're hungry for more. So we're going to allow that hunger to go deep into our soul until these promises. When you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me until those promises become ours. And we don't want to just do it in here. We want to do it in the prayer room, but we don't want to just do it for the adults. We want to do it for the young adults. We want to do it for the teenagers. We want to do it for the kids. You know what I want? I want my daughter, who's 10 and is probably the best Christian in my whole family, but I want my daughter, who's 10, to show me what it looks like, what being yielded to Jesus looks like, what intercession looks like, what a heart that's fully his looks like. Not because I put some legalistic rules on her, but because I, I showed her what a passionate desire for Jesus can be, and she picks it up at 10. So by the time she's 20, it's a multiplied 10 years. And by the time she's 30, it's, it's a double portion. By the time she's 40, if the Lord tarries 50, that she has stepped into something in the kingdom that's far grander than anything I ever touched. As the deer pants, my soul longs. I was thinking about Paul, Philippians 3, verse 12. He said this. Now get this. Paul is in a Roman prison. Paul's at the end of his life. He's he's done all these amazing things. And now we're going to get Philippians 3, 12. We're going to get it actually in context. Paul in prison at the end of his life. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Mm. Paul, you've preached the gospel all over the known world, all over Asia Minor. You've led, there will be millions upon millions who will come to Jesus because of your testimony. If you die right now, you've already stepped into it. Come on. He goes, I haven't attained what I'm looking for. I haven't received and stepped into what God laid hold of me for. Said simply, Paul the apostle, the end of his life in a a Roman prison. He goes, I know there's more. And I'm going to find it. I know there's more, and I'm going to keep leaning in for it. He goes, I do not count myself as uh, to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Sometimes what's behind us, it's like what Dustin, man, he preached the whole message this morning, it was so good. <laughs> I love that when that happens in the worship, because I can just come up and highlight and highlight and highlight. But sometimes the very thing that's behind us is the thing that we imagine defines us. And I want to tell you right now, everything you've been through, everything that you've come through, the the good, the bad, and the ugly, that is not the definer of your life. The definer of your life is what God says about you. God, God says something more dynamic about you than every one of your failures, than every one of your shortcomings, and even the victories you've had. One of the most poisonous things is if we get a little level one breakthrough and then we imagine that that's the pinnacle of everything that God has for us. No. I've said it this way, people love to call every spark a bonfire. No, there's something so much grander, so much greater, something so much deeper in the heart of God that he's calling us forward into. He's calling us to pursue. He wants to manifest his kingdom in glory all over the earth. And he wants people like us, random people, who just resonate with that thing on the inside to say, I haven't attained yet, but one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Beloved, this is one of the most central strands of who we are as a spiritual family. Call it what you want, curiosity to deep longing and aching for God. Call it what you want, but there's this place on the inside that you know there's something more for you you know there's more in God for you. We can't promise you that we can make that happen for you, but we can promise you, as a family, we're gonna run together after it. That's what we're doing. Let me tell you what happened to me Friday. I was sitting in the prayer room, and um, honestly, I, was, I literally just got in, just got my coffee, I was just getting ready to start you know, preparing the message for today. And, um, and I had a friend send me a dream the day before. He'd had a dream about me. And I'll give you this short version. Short version is I was in the mall. I was at the mall in D.C., the, the, the National Mall. And the ground was so wet and it was covered in, in water. And it looked like it had been raining all night. But in the dream, it wasn't rain. It was tears. And uh, there was a prophetic component. There was a prophetic minister, and, and he prayed for me. And, and then the, the, the scene shifted, and it went from the scene at the National Mall to this, uh, this wedding reception. And the wedding reception was over, and I was leaving the wedding reception. I was dressed, uh, like, for the wedding, and so um, one of our prophetic ministers, one of our leaders, is, the Lord has just so dramatically gifted him with being able to interpret dreams. I sent the dream to him, not thinking much of it. It, it, it was a good dream. It just I thought tears all over them all. That's intense. Well, I just sent it to him. And then later that day, my good friend Corey Russell, he's got a new book that's coming out. It's called The Gift of Tears. And he sent me the book. He said, hey, just spontaneously, he said, hey, would you read this book? And I said, sure. He goes, just give me any feedback you want. And well, I, I hadn't even read the dream yet. I'm reading the book uh, that night, Thursday night, reading the book. And then I go, oh, wait, there was that dream. What was it? And then I read the dream about tears covering the, the mall. Well, I'm not going to get into the details of the interpretation of the dream. But the next morning, I come in, sit in the prayer room, getting ready to prepare for the message and I read, St- Stephen uh, sends me the, the, the details of the dream, I read it, and when I read it, it, it hits me so hard, I go from no feeling, I'm not like blowing up in the prayer room, I'm just sort of sitting there drinking my coffee, trying to wake up, to within one second I'm, I'm crying, like a heavy cry, like uncontrollable heavy cry. And the thing gets stronger and stronger and stronger. I, I, you know, scramble for the tissues. I'm like a mess in the corner. The children come in to sing because they do this set at around 10 o'clock on Fridays. They start singing, Abba, I belong to you. And when they sing that, it's just, deepens and strengthens and deepens till I literally have to get up out of the prayer room, I go run to my office, and by the time I hit my office, I am wailing. I am wailing an ugly, ugly cry. I've been gripped with the spirit of travail. That's what that is. And while I'm wailing in my office, it's so strong on me, I start seeing our nation and our sin and I'm crying out to God to have mercy. And I start seeing our spiritual family and so many of you and I'm crying out for God to break through in your lives. And then I start seeing our leadership team and and I'm crying out to God, God to break through in our leaders and to break through in our region and I'm crying out for the million soul harvest that he wants to give to Atlanta. And I'm just wailing and wailing and wailing and it will not stop. You know when you do an ugly cry, like a five minute ugly cry, I mean, you feel like you, take, you need to take a nap afterwards, right? This was like 35 minutes. I, I mean, it was full-on hammered down. Ah! Some of you have no grid for what I'm talking about. It's okay. It's in the Bible. <laughs> Jesus, with loud cries and vehement tears, presented himself to the one who was able to save him. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews tells us that. And so here I was in the throes of a spiritual gripping that I had no, there was no ramp for it. It hit me like that. And uh, I realized that what God was doing to me on Friday, he was setting the table for what I think he wants to do many, many times in the days ahead. And then yesterday I went ahead and read the rest of Corey's book and, and, uh, he references this thing called the weeping room, where Jesus takes his closest friends. And he takes them into this place of the depths of his heart, and he begins to unveil himself to them and his desires to be released. And there's this, he talks about how there's this place on the other side of words where you can't even form the phrases. They won't do enough, and all you can do is weep. And what I realized this morning, I was telling Dustin, and I said, I don't know how to get these two things together because I'm supposed to set the course for where we're going, and I had this crazy encounter with the Lord on Friday. And then I realized, oh, that's where we're going. We're going to this place where he wants to invite us into his heart, He wants to take that curiosity all the way to that gnawing ache that you have on the inside, and he wants to take you into his heart in a deep way. And for many of you, he wants to take you right into the weeping room. In fact, I realized this morning, some of you are already there. That right now, when you seek the Lord, you get to this place, and all of a sudden, that place of intimacy, the expression that comes out of you is tears. There's this place of of bliss and pain, this place of connection and longing and there's no words for it and you try to explain it to your friends and you feel like a fool because you can't say it the way you wanna say it and all you can do is cry. And I realized that what God, what he desires to do in us as a spiritual family is he wants to take us into the deep places of his heart and introduce us to himself as the weeping God. Shortest verse in the Bible. You already know it. You already know it. What is it? Jesus wept. But you know what the thing is? We don't really realize that Jesus wept was in response to something that came out of Mary. It was in response to a cry that came out of Mary. And let me just ask you something. What is it that makes, what is it that makes the eternal uncreated God weep? That makes it says he groaned within himself. And I'm just telling you he's inviting his church, his friends into an intimacy with him right now that's going to cause him to groan and to weep. And I'm telling you from that place of weeping and groaning there is a resurrection power that he wants to release. Everybody wants Lazarus raised from the dead. Who wants to weep with Jesus? And right now, guys, let's just be real. When we're talking about revival, we're talking about Lazarus getting up from the ground. Because everything in this society, everything in the culture is completely beating against a complete heaven takeover. But I want to tell you something. There is a God that still does resurrections. There's a God who has a power that transcends every human power and he's inviting people right now to meet him in that place of longing, hunger, and desire. He's inviting people to meet him in the weeping room. He's inviting a people who will say yes to him to go all the way, even if it's messy, Listen, for some of you, I know messy sounds scary. Messy's messy. But if, if tidy would have gotten us there, we would have already been there. We've had tidy already. What we need is something transcendent. We, we've had neat and produced and processed already. What we need is heaven. We need Pentecost. Where some marveled, some were amazed, and some mocked. Sometimes we just need an inbreaking of God where we don't care what it looks like, we just say, Let the chips fall where they may. Am I making any sense to you? Well, that's it. Hopefully, I've spoken <laughs> something that makes sense to you. Hopefully, what I, the words I'm saying resonate with you in some way. And if you're new, God bless.